Hello, and welcome to Compass Church. If you have any questions about this message or are interested in learning more, please contact us. We'd love the opportunity to connect. Now, enjoy today's message. What a, what a celebration, and uh, it is so important and powerful what we sing in those songs because it is the, the celebration of the truth of Christmas, and it, it speaks to our core belief about the wonder of Christmas, and the wonder of Christmas has to do with Jesus and his coming into the world. I know that as we uh, travel through these days in our culture, in our society, a lot of things are happening in terms of uh, changing symbols and attitudes and ideas about Christmas, and I remember not too long ago going to... Uh, a grocery store and going to the card section and trying to find a, a card that was kind of religious, I guess you'd call it, with a, a manger scene or something that talked about that, and I couldn't find a one. Um, and you could think that that's really sad, and in some ways it is, but in some ways it's good. In some ways it's an opportunity for us because. Just having a general idea about Christmas and the birth of Jesus, that's, that's a good thing, but that's not enough. Because the birth of Jesus is so profound that we need to be able to describe it and articulate it and communicate it. And if there's not a general idea about it, that gives us a great opportunity to step in and talk about it. And even when you think about the cards and Christmas things, and I think I went to try to get stamps that were Christmas, and that really pointed to the birth of Jesus. And that's even more difficult because all these other symbols are filling in. But even when you do get those cards, you know, it's a pretty nice-looking thing. You know, it's a pretty manger. It's pretty nice. Everything's peaceful. Everything fits together. It's a beautiful scene. It's, everything's wonderful. And that's kind of what we want to Christmas to be about. But I think that as believers, when we're talking about the miracle of Jesus coming into our world, that we have to be careful to return to the Gospels, to read the story with our eyes wide open, listening to what has happened. Because really, when, when Jesus came to Mary and Joseph, it was a big disruption. It was glorious. Don't misunderstand me. There was an angel appearing to Mary and saying that she is blessed and she is favored and that God was going to do something spectacular in her life and she was going to have a child. And I can imagine at that moment she's thinking, well, that, that, that's great, but I, I'm not even really fully married yet. How's this going to happen? Uh, there was a lot of diversion, a lot of difficulty and then it was in the midst of being married to Joseph that he found his wife to be with a child so the coming of Jesus was not just a peaceful thing and then think about Mary she went to her relative Elizabeth who 
had a child, who was having a child, and the angel appeared to them. But Elizabeth had been a long time in a marriage barren, and now God was blessing her with a child. And that child came into the world with fanfare, with midwives around, the community was around. It was a celebration that God had blessed Elizabeth with a child. But what about Mary? Mary's pregnancy was clouded with difficulty and trying to be hidden away. That's why she went to Elizabeth's house for those three months. And then when it couldn't be hidden away, then there were all of these difficulties. You see, when Jesus came into the world, there was a considerable considerable amount of disruption for their lives. You remember they had to run to Egypt after he was born. It was the babies killed in Bethlehem. When they came back finally after Herod had passed away, they couldn't live in their old place. They had to go to another territory because the son who was the Herod over that area was dangerous to them. There was a lot of disruption. And Jesus came into a broken world. It wasn't just peace and it wasn't just tranquility. And it's something that we should recognize. And maybe if we don't make the story so peaceful and so happy and so easy, we understand that there is a really profound, deep work being done by the arrival of Jesus. And I think it comes out most clearly in the the, the statement of Simeon in Luke chapter 2. It's after Jesus is eight days old and they take him to the temple to be circumcised. And you remember these things. These were requirements of the law of Moses. And they enter into the temple and they meet Simeon. And it's important to hear his words. It's in chapter 2 of Luke starting at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law that was required... Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what he had said about him, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. A note of disruption, but also a note of of profound promise. There was going to be a distinction made because of this baby. 
there was going to be light brought to the nations, a light to the Gentiles and promise and blessing to the people of Israel. But also, there was a falling if you rejected this child. There was a warning here in these words that even for Mary, the one who was bearing the Lord Jesus, that a sword would pierce her heart. There was light and dark, life and death coming because of this one. As we stand back and look at the gospel and we understand what Jesus was doing, we, we must see what God was doing in Christ. And I think of several things that stand out. First, we see a God who sent His Son, who was His Son, who was the divine Son of God, divinity Himself. We see a God who is humble, God is great is a truth that religions across the world proclaim. That God is so far above us and He's glorious and we should be fearful and, and afraid of Him. And, and down through the ages of human history, we've, we've made sacrifices and we've tried to appease Him and do things that satisfy Him so that He is benevolent to us and gracious to us. He gives us crops. He continues to provide for us. God is great is a, is a message that we get just looking at creation. But what we see in the baby Jesus is that God is humble. He comes to us. He comes into our world. He didn't come in with great glory and great pomp and circumstance, but He came to a teenage couple in the first century as a baby in a manger in a carpenter's family. God humbled Himself to be near to us. That's what we see in Jesus. As He portrays to us our great God, we also realize that He is a humble God who loves us and comes to us. Not only does He come, come to us, but we second realize that He is approachable. Jesus came to live amongst us. He didn't separate Himself from us. He took on human flesh. He became a baby and experienced all the things that we experience. Not just so that He could say He experienced them, but so that He could reach out to us. He could touch us. He could communicate who God is to us. The Scriptures are wonderful in talking about the truth that Jesus was the, the high point of God's revelation of Himself. And if we see Jesus and we see who He is and how He lived, how He loved, how He cared, how He died, and how He rose again, we see God. God came in Jesus so that we could know Him. Reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever had fish. I went through a short period of time where I had fish. And I took care of an aquarium and, uh, you know, I put the, the coal in the little thing and had an air pump and, you know, you have to clean that thing. I thought once I set it up, I wouldn't have to do anything, but it gets dirty, cloudy. I think mine turned green. But uh, one of the things I was disappointed by 
is that on all the days I took care of them fish, I came to their tank and put food in their, their tank, fed them two times a day. They were never happy to see me. They just, every time they like they like scared. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna reach in and crush them. And, and if I needed to move them or clean the tank and get them and catch them, man, they're like darting all over. Like I'm gonna. I don't like them. I'm actually liking them. I care for them, and they don't seem to get it. And in a similar way, when God made us His special creation, and we went away from Him. We chose our own way. We rejected his path, his relationship with him. He longed for us, to, not just to know that he's the great and mighty God way up there, but he longed for us to know that he is God who knows us, that, we're, that he's approachable. The amazing thing of the, the, the truth and the grace and the forgiveness and the life that we receive in Christ is that as Christ walks with the Heavenly Father, so He invites you and I who trust in Him, who have been cleansed by Him, who are in union with Him to approach the Heavenly Father in the exact same way. God came after us. He came to know us. He came to reveal Himself to us. And the other thing that we should notice is that in coming into the world, He became the lowliest and He reached out to the lowliest. This all just kind of flows out of thinking about Jesus coming in the first century to a carpenter in the line of David for sure but not a prominent person. Not in a distinguished family. Not from someone of wealth and circumstance, but poor and lowly. Because he didn't come to meet prominent people. He came to meet broken people. And the truth about the Gospel is that Jesus, when he came into the world, and if you receive grace and life from Him in a real, true sense, you can't come with your own merits. You can't come with your achievements. You can't come with your accomplishments. You have to come to the foot of the cross, like everyone does, in brokenness, in neediness, in lowliness. And if you come to the cross that way, if you come to Jesus that way, you find a Savior. You find a Savior who meets you, who cleans you, who makes you new, who forgives you, who gives you life and purpose. And Jesus showed through His ministry and through His life, He didn't go after those who were prominent. He went after those who were broken, who were the outcast. And every one of us who meet Jesus in a real life-transforming way must know our brokenness and lowliness. On top of that, so you have he, God was humble. God became approachable. Came to us in our lowliness. But He also came courageously. Courageously. 
Jesus came into this world with no requirement or promise that we would receive him. In fact, many rejected him. When he finally grew up and told us about God and demonstrated who God was, he ended up going to the cross by himself, not knowing anyone would respond, being completely abandoned. But he was courageous in his love. And I think about this because I don't know if you're maybe not quite as familiar. There have been people down through the history of time who claim to be the Messiah. The one that God is using in a special way. And we have very elaborate ones like Jim Jones and David Koresh. But there have been thousands of others. And whenever somebody comes into the world and says, I'm the one, I can tell you what God wants you to do immediately. And I'm joining in, so I'm confessing too. Uh, You'll have to show me that. I don't believe that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of. And so Jesus took courage to come into this world, to reach out to broken people who needed a Savior without any real pull or guarantee. He came just on the basis of His love for people and our need for Him. And that took courage. God humbly displayed His love to us. He didn't coerce anyone. He didn't force anyone. He came with an offer of life and forgiveness And he showed the power of that offer when he did go to the cross. And then he rose from the grave, conquering death. And then he invited people. Invited us into that life. If we will trust him, we will have life beyond the grave. We will have life in his eternal kingdom. He will redeem for Himself a people that we can be a part of. Forgiven and free and part of His family because of who Jesus is. When you think about Christmas that way, Christmas means so much more than just peace and good songs. It means redemption and life Forgiveness and restoration. And a Savior who came to seek us out. To pursue us. And to invite us. To know God. To follow God. And to love Him. The invitation is to see the love of God in Jesus. And let it change your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we thank You that You are a God of grace. A God of life. A God of joy. And Lord, as we have seen Jesus come into the world, as we, have, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Lord, this is part of a long process of Your plan and Your unfolding promises. 
And the culmination of your love is demonstrated to us by Jesus. And my prayer is that this Christmas will be even more meaningful than ever before. Because in a new way, we see you as loving us and pursuing us and offering life to us. Lord, help us. Bring us into the grace that Jesus offers us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.